you know, embodied creativity had powerful medicine for me. Hi, I'm Lou. Welcome to Therapy and the Body. Tune in to hear me and my therapist friends talk about why it's important to include the body in the therapeutic process. This podcast is for clinicians, clients, and anyone who's interested in exploring the body's experience. Rory is a queer, gender-fluid, holistic therapist from Philadelphia and the Jersey Shore. He's in Oakland now, but he's representing for the East Coast. He has worked with youth in crisis, survivors of violence, LGBTQ folks, veterans, first responders, and male-identified survivors of sexual trauma. He's worked in community programs, hospitals, and medical settings across the Bay. He studied expressive arts and somatic therapies at JFK University while also completing a three-year internship working with therapy horses and trauma survivors. He's currently in private practice at the Center for Mindful Psychotherapy, and on the weekends, he enjoys hiking with his pet bull, Duke. So Rory, I'm so happy to be able to talk to you today. Thank you so much, Lou. I am so honored and so excited to be here with you. (laughs) All right. So today we're going to spend some time talking about alternatives to talk therapy. It's really where you shine. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. So what got you interested in wanting to be a therapist and then wanting to go beyond, you know, just using words? Well, You know, I grew up on the Jersey Shore in the 90s, and I faced a lot of bullying and verbal and physical um, attacks pretty regularly uh, out in the community and in, in the school system because of my gender expression and also because um, I was adopted by lesbians. I had two moms. You know, I specifically remember one time, maybe around like seven or eight years old, I was at a pool party with some boys from the neighborhood and um, the Macarena came on the radio. (laughs) I lived for the Macarena. I remember seeing that music video and being so, you know, entranced by the drag queens and fashion models that were in that video, remember? I do remember. (laughs) So, you know, as as like a, a, a tiny little, you know, queer person, I, I just loved that. And so I started doing the Macarena at this pool party and the boys were, they were offended. They were mad and they started to, you know, gang up on me and bully me. And the parents um, kind of supported it and enabled it. Damn. And afterwards, you know, looking back now, I can see how those kind of experiences really stuck with me because they, they taught me that, You know, my queer body moving and dancing and expressing warranted harm. And the fact that the adults endorsed this really, really, um, I don't know, proved to me that maybe they were right. Yeah. And so later on, when I graduated high school, I took myself straight to Center City, Philadelphia. (laughs) And, you know, just 
dove into this gorgeous culture of diversity and artists and LGBTQ folks. And I started doing drag and comedy performance. And this was maybe one of the first times where I had a sense that, you know, embodied creativity had powerful medicine for me. Wow. It's just beautiful to see you light up when you talk about that. Oh, thank you. So yeah, you know, um, doing drag on stage helped me to release my queer spirit and move and dance with my queer body without fear or shame, without limits, and with pride and power and reclamation. You know, that, that was really nourishing. So I want to, you know, in my work with clients, I, I want to foster um, experiences where, where people can feel safe to express parts of themselves that are maybe hidden or repressed and communicate their inner world and, and feel witnessed and seen and understood and celebrated. So when you when you decided to start the journey to becoming a therapist, the expressive arts piece, that was a given. Mixed in with the embodiment too. Yes, yes. Definitely the um the art piece came first. I remember um a time it was uh, around the holidays. Uh-huh. And some of my, you know, my own story has to do with familial trauma. You know, I lost a lot of family from tragic deaths to just betrayal and conflict that that can happen in the wake of family members dying. So the holidays is typically a really hard time for me. Yeah. Because it's a it's a time where there's a lot of expectation to be close with your family. And when you don't have that, you are very present to how how much grief and loneliness and loss and anger you hold inside. Mm. And um, I remember one Christmas, I had a friend, a dear friend who was an art therapist. And she encouraged me to make some angry Christmas cards and angry Christmas cookies. And so, you know, I made all these cards with like disgruntled Christmas trees and zombie elves and, you know, cookies that were just really ugly and burnt. <laughs> and it brought a lot of joy to that. Christmas that is so party. awesome. <laughs> it was. It was awesome to, to be able to find a way to have joy on Christmas while also, you know, integrating the, the grief, loss, and anger that was there for me. It felt so satisfying. <laughs> yeah. And I wish you guys could see Rory right now. He has his arms up in the air and his <laughs> chest jumped out and the biggest grin on his face. <laughs> yeah. And you still, you still make these cards. I seen some last year. Yes. Yes. I still make the angry Christmas cards. Although I think I may, I may be healing more and more each year because they're getting a little less angry. <laughs> so that's that's something to notice i think <laughs> yeah it's like a longitudinal study yes you know a study over time of rory's art mm -hmm. <laughs> well i think you know i think that that is actually pretty on target with 
the experience of many folks when when you give you give a lot of honor and space for somebody to express the feelings that they've been holding inside yeah you know they kind of organically come out have their dance and then exit stage left and then the next set of emotions have room to come in and so this directly impacts how you work with clients maybe tell us Maybe some of your favorite interventions. One of my favorite, you know, interventions or invitations that I like to use pretty regularly with clients is quite simple. It's just put your feelings into art. Mm-hmm. And that can be journaling, that can be dance, that can be music, that can be poetry, that can be cooking, that can be gardening. Mm-hmm. athleticism but think about your feelings and express your feelings into your medium and that in and of itself i think does something profound when you are an artist in whichever medium you choose and you're making art about your feelings you kind of have one foot blended with your feelings and one mm-hmm. foot out unblended and in the role of an artist. Wow. So inherently you are separating yourself a little bit from your emotional experience. Wow. And and developing a kind of branch of your consciousness that's able to remain a little bit more grounded and observe and watch and kind of mentalize what's going on with your feelings. Yeah. I love I love what you're saying. Because our emotions, our emotional experiences can be overwhelming. And what helps them from not being overwhelming is to have a balance between being in the experience and also being able to observe mm-hmm. or be present in the moment. So I love how you're talking about art being really like a natural way of doing that. And not to mention, there is a reward for this mm. because the the realm of the creative arts has a legacy of being a place in the world where you can spin your ugliest most you know sufferable feelings and experiences into gold yes you know that they're, yeah. they're singing the blues you know there there's punk and heavy metal and right pop and you know, I'm thinking of Kurt Cobain and, and there's a, a thousand, you know, artists, musicians, performers who take their darkest parts and make it into something that is inspiring, beautiful and relatable. We don't have to hide when we can express our ourselves creatively. And in the hiding, the hiding part, that's dangerous when you have to hide all the time when you have to put a a face on all the time. So when we give space for expression, all sorts of expression, so much aliveness and vitality is birth. Beautifully said. I am am vibing with this so much. Uh, Repression of the self and emotional repression is the root of so many mental and, and physical health issues. You know, from, from very young ages, we are conditioned by our parents, school, and society to hide parts of ourselves. 
Yeah. To be ashamed of parts of ourselves. Mm. And the thing about that is when you lock away parts of yourselves, they don't go away. No. They, they find ways to sneak back in, whether it's through your dreams or through your body as chronic pain or digestion issues, migraines, insomnia. It finds a way of being expressed. How do you incorporate the embodiment piece? I know that came kind of after your creative expression, but kind of talk about the intersection between expressive arts and tuning into the body. There, there's three main channels that we process our experiences. Okay. The, the, the one most of us are familiar with is the cognitive thinking conscious channel. And most of us live on this channel. Right. This is the world of words and language. This is the world of linear events. This is the world of rational thoughts and thinking. But this is only one little sliver of the whole system. The base of everything starts with the body. Mm. Our body first takes in sensory stimuli as a tidal wave of information through the body senses. And it remembers all of that. It's logging all of that. And then from my understanding, your system has a way of collating and processing all of that information in this uh, middle channel, which I call the creative or symbolic channel of the unconscious mind. For, for trauma survivors whose cognitive functioning, whose front brain have been dialed down and dimmed because of the, the overwhelming nature of the trauma, their experience gets logged in the emotional symbolic channel and in the body. It's logged in, in a way that's kind of messy mm. and it's not linear. And so treatment requires attention to all three channels, holistic attention to all three channels. You mentioned about kind of invitations that you like to use. You mentioned it broadly saying, express your feelings some kind of way. Mm -hmm. And so do you have any specific invitations or interventions or practices that you'd like to kind of tell us about that you love using? Well, I'm thinking of two things. And, and I realize the first is another broad thing. Okay. But I really like to, to really follow a client's innate wisdom and intuition and really um, work with them to figure out what's going to hit the spot for them. What are they interested and engaged in doing? I'm thinking of a woman I worked with who loves gardening. We had a phone session where I was with her while she was in her garden weeding. We just had an exploration of how the weeds that she was pulling might have some kind of symbolic connection to things in her life that she's wanting to weed out. Mm -hmm. You know, there can be a lot of rich material there. So following a person's interests and intuition is one of my go-to ways of working. More specifically, I love mask work. Ooh. Yeah, making masks and moving with a mask and, and even practicing moving with a neutral mask can all be really exciting, interesting, and engaging 
um, activities that also have profound therapeutic value. So being able to externalize an inner struggle or a side of yourself into the mask and, and then physically being able to put it on and take it off is another way that helps support that branch of consciousness that is able to unblend from feelings and and kind of observe. That's beautiful. And I had the pleasure of seeing Rory do this in one of our classes a couple years ago. Remember that? Yes, 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 I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So who do you love working with? I really love working with people who have a creative spirit or want to connect with their creative spirit. Um, I love working with people who um, feel kind of stuck or disengaged or resistant to traditional talk therapy. Um, often these are people who have done talk therapy for a long time. Mm -hmm. Often it's youth who don't want to do therapy for, for a variety of reasons. And, and also a lot of male-identified folks, too, who are taught that um, addressing and expressing feelings are signs of weakness. Where can people find you? Uh, Heart and Soul Integrative Therapy, hasitherapy.com. Thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you so much for having me, Lou. Take care. Thank you for listening to Therapy and the Body. To get in touch with me about trainings or private sessions, email lujohnsontherapy at gmail.com. To learn more about how I work with couples and individuals, visit my website at lujohnsontherapy.com. Lou is spelt with an L-U.